Instead, we are going to speak this morning about promise, purpose, and power. Promise, purpose, and power. Just if you have your Bible, if you have your electronic device, just turn with me to John chapter 16. John chapter 16, we will be reading from verse 5 to verse 7. John 16 from verse 5 to verse 7. The Word of God says, Jesus speaks and He says, But now I am going to Him who sent me, and none of you ask me, Where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Yalpah will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. God bless the reading of his word this morning. Father, we pray that you have your will in your way this morning. Guide us into all truth, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. The text that we read this morning specifically is John chapter 16. And we started reading John chapter 16 verse, verse 5. And I'm just going to go into the specific text that we read this morning quickly. as a foundation for where we are going this morning with purpose. With, 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 with purpose, with power and with promise this morning. But I said the format that we will be speaking on is, is rather promise, purpose, and power. But I'm going to just go into the specific text. The Word of God says in John 16 verse 5, But now I am going, Jesus speaks to His disciples and He says, But now I am going to Him who sent me, and none of you ask me, Where are you going? Now, I want us to notice two important key factors that lead to the specific question that Jesus asked here. Two important key factors that lead to the specific question that Jesus asked here. The first one is, if you can write that down or type that down as well. The first one is, Jesus knew that his death, resurrection and ascension was closer than ever. That is the first key factor that leads to this question. So Jesus knew that he was going to be crucified soon. He knew that he would rise from the dead and then he would ascend and go to heaven again. If you look at John 13, John 13 verse 1, you will see Jesus spoke to his, his disciples again. The Bible says in John 13 verse 1, listen to this regarding the first factor that we have mentioned. Jesus says, the Bible says, Now before the feast of the Passover, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world. Very important. Can you hear that? To depart out of this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray Jesus, 
Jesus knowing, listen to this, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and he was going back to God. That's why I said the first important factor is that Jesus knew his death, resurrection and his ascension was at hand. Then the second factor that I want, to, that I want us to take note of that leads to this question where Jesus said, none of them is asking where he's going. Second factor is, his disciples was filled with sorrow because he had spoken to them regarding his departure. They were filled with sorrow because Jesus spoke to them regarding his departure. If you look at John chapter 14, verse 1, John chapter 14, verse 1, the Bible says, Jesus spoke to them and he said, let not your hearts be troubled. Do not be sorrowful. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. Other translations will say many mansions. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take I will take you to myself that where I am you may also go verse 4 says and you know the way listen to this and you know the way to where I am going so that's the second key factor that I mentioned this morning that his disciples were filled with sorrow they were said that Jesus spoke regarding departure now, Jesus was on his way back to the Father. If we look at the specific text that we read this morning, Jesus was on his way back to the Father. And now they are filled with sorrow because he is about to go back to the Father. But, but he says regarding this, none of them ask him the question, where are you going? Not one of them asked him the question, but where are you going? He spoke to them and he said, he's going back. But none of them asked the question, where are you going? And verse 6 says, John 16 verse 6. Jesus said to them, but because I have said these things, the things that I've just mentioned, the things that we've just read in the previous chapters, because I have said these things to you, sorrow, listen to him, sorrow has filled your heart. So, this specific statement of Jesus is evidence that they were filled with sorrow. It is evidence that they were filled with sorrow because they were used to the bodily experience, the bodily presence of Christ being with them. So, so to them, Christ saying he is about to depart from them fills their heart automatically with sorrows. They become sad because they got used to him walking along them walking beside them in a bodily in the fleshly experience so they were used to him being there so they found their security in his fleshly presence being with them and for them to hear that christ is about to leave now all of a sudden they become sorrowful they they, they are filled with sorrow because this seems 
too much for them we just got used to you lord we just got used to the fact that you are here we can ask you a question anytime we can go to you anytime when people are hungry you feed them when when people are sick you heal them we can see that you are here they got used to the bodily experience of christ and for jesus to say i am going away it it automatically fills them with sorrow and it becomes too much for them and then in verse 7 jesus says to them but nevertheless I tell you the truth, it is to your, listen to this, it is to your advantage. Imagine, he just said to them, I am going away from you. They are filled with sorrow, but he still says to them, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. <laughs> Imagine, you, you, you are filled with sorrow because this person is leaving and he's still saying to you it is to your advantage that i go away and then he says for if i do not go away the helper will not come to you but if i go i will send him to you so since they got used to his presence from a bodily experience he explains the importance of his departure so he knew they got used to him being around in the flesh but now he explains to them the importance of him departing from them and he says to them it is to your advantage the greek translation regarding the word advantage there are other translations will say it is expedient the greek translation there is better for or profitable in other words jesus said to them it is better for you that i go away imagine filled with sorrow and he still says to them it is better for you that i go away i mean at that point you you must think for yourself this doesn't make sense how can this be expedient for me how can this be to at my advantage how can this be better for me that you are living because i got so used to you being around so 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 how can this be advantageous to me how can this be an advantage to me lord for when when he departs the holy spirit will come to them and that is the answer to that question jesus says when when i go the helper will come the holy spirit will come to you the helper there is the holy spirit so if jesus stay in the flesh if jesus stays in the flesh here on earth the holy spirit cannot be given but if jesus departs the holy spirit is sent which is a very important and that's why it is important to understand that it was to their advantage that he had to leave the bodily experience in order to be with them in spirit so this is just not a statement at this point that Jesus made in order for them to feel better. Because it seems to, to, to them that, it may seem to them that, that when Jesus speaks to them regarding this specific point, that he just wanted them to feel better. But, but it's beyond that. It is a statement to look forward to a promise. This was a prophetic statement to look forward to the promise of 
the Father, which brings me to our first point that I spoke in the beginning, and I said we are going to speak about promise, purpose, and power, which brings me to promise. In Luke 24, if you can just write that down or turn there quickly, Luke 24, verse 49, the Word of God says, And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. Jesus speaking to them. And this was after his resurrection. He said to them, And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And we'll speak about power later. But this was after his resurrection. Jesus made this specific statement to his disciples after his resurrection that he will send the promise of the Father to them. And this is where Pentecost comes in. Now, when, when we look at the word Pentecost, the word Pentecost, Greek translation means 50. And, 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 and we'll, we, we'll see why that is so now. But this is where Pentecost comes in. And we, we will see Pentecost taking place in the book of Acts chapter 2. But I want us to take note of something specifically this morning. Leviticus chapter 23. In the Levitical law, God commanded the children of Israel to adhere to certain feasts as a commemoration of how he delivered them from Egypt. So, so they had to honor the deliverance that God brought for them every year in other words he, he also instructed them to honor the event of their deliverance as a holy convocation in other words they had to assemble and celebrate what god has done for them through this feast that we find in leviticus chapter 23 in just a moment, you will see why I am speaking about Leviticus 23. And it's going to make sense when, when, when we go further. If, if you look at Leviticus 23, you will see from verse 1 to verse 2 in Leviticus 23, in the Levitical law, from verse 1 to verse 2, God gives instruction or commandment to Moses regarding these feasts. He starts by giving Moses the instruction regarding this feast. And then in verse 3, we have the convocation. Remember we said convocation is the assemblies, them coming together and celebrating the specific feast. Now in verse 3, we have the convocation of the Sabbath. The Sabbath where they couldn't do anything on a Saturday. On the seventh day, they had to rest. No work was supposed to be done. So, in verse 3, we find the convocation of the Sabbath. And then in Leviticus chapter 23, from verse 4 to verse 8, we have the convocation of the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So, the, the format goes as follows. We, we had the Sabbath, starting on Sabbath, and then after that, we would have the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Now, just to explain you a little bit 
regarding the Passover and the Feast of unleavened, unleavened Bread according to the Levitical law and the expectation of God from the children of Israel. Now, the Passover pointed to the last plague in Egypt. Remember when the children of Israel was in Egypt and, 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 and they had to be delivered from slavery in Egypt. God sent 10 plagues and the last plague was that of the Passover. So he instituted the Passover with the last plague. So the angel of death had to come and take the firstborn and their duty was to to, to, to take blood from a male lamb that was without blemish and it was to be placed on the doorpost and the lintels of the door so that when the angel come he will pass over and nothing will happen to the firstborn in that specific house so so that is the Passover the Passover refers to the blood the blood of the lamb and then also what they had to do specifically with with the passover they they did not only take blood and put it on the doorposts and the lentils of the doors but they also had to eat unleavened bread with butter herbs and then it brings me to to the new testament again no no wonder why jesus who is the Lamb of God. Remember what John the Baptist said. We spoke about John the Baptist last week who baptized Christ. Remember what John the Baptist said. He said, Behold the Lamb of God. When Jesus walked to him and Jesus came to him to be baptized, he said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh the way of the sins of the world. So Jesus is the Lamb of God. No wonder why Jesus who is the Lamb of God, when celebrating the Passover feast with his disciples, remember the Last Supper, when he celebrated it with them, he gave them unleavened bread and he said to them, eat, this is my body. And then after that, drink, this is my blood. So, so this pointed directly to the feast, to the Passover and the feast of unleavened bread. Just stay with me. We are going somewhere here this morning. And then in Leviticus chapter 23, from verse 9 to verse 14, we have the convocation of the feast of first fruit. So after the Passover and the feast of unleavened bread, they would have the feast of first fruits. Now the, the first fruits Feast consisted of a grain offering, a burnt offering, and a drink offering. Which brings me to the point that, that Jesus at the age of 33, who was the Lamb of God, because with the first fruits, a lamb was slaughtered for the sins of the people. And, 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 and with, with Jesus being 33 and being the Lamb of God, He was the Lamb of God who was offered, just as the burnt offering, He was offered that we may not perish, but have everlasting life. And then in Leviticus chapter 23 from verse 15 to verse 22, we have the convocation of the Feast of Weeks, which is Pentecost. The Feast of Weeks, Pentecost. Now, Pentecost happened 50 days. Remember what I said in the beginning? According to the Greek translation, Pentecost means 50. 
So, so Pentecost was 50 days after the offering of the first grain offering. It was 50 days after that that it was that it actually started that it actually happened and the purpose of pentecost the purpose of this feast the feast of weeks was to recognize that god is the provider of all crops hence he also expected the children of israel to be generous to the poor and also look out for the less fortunate no wonder why when Jesus spoke about the coming of the Holy Spirit, he mentioned this specific point. And if you can write this down as well in John chapter 14, verse 15, listen to Jesus. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. Remember we said the helper is the Holy Spirit to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. They don't know the Holy Spirit nor see the Holy Spirit. He says to them, but you know him for he dwells with you and now he will also be in you. But listen to the specific point. Remember we said in the, in the Feast of Weeks, Day of Pentecost, what God wanted them to do is also to commemorate regarding the, 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 that God is the provider and he provides for them but they also needed to look out for the less the less uh, fortunate and in John first, chapter 14 verse 18 he says listen to Jesus after speaking about the Holy Spirit will come and he will dwell in us he says to them I will not leave you as orphans I will come to you doesn't that sound like I will look out for the less fortunate. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. What am I saying here this morning? I am saying that the promise was spoken and the promise was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost, the Feast of Weeks. Because the Bible says Jesus spoke and he said, it is to your advantage that I go away because if I do not go away, the helper won't come. So, so when he goes, he will send the helper. And now on the day of Pentecost, on the Feast of Weeks. Now, if we look at the format that we spoke regarding the Levitical law in Leviticus chapter 23 this morning, we will see Sabbath, we will see Passover, we will see unleavened bread, and then we will see first fruits. And after that, we will see the, the Feast of Weeks. So if you look at that format, Jesus had the Passover with his disciples. After that, Jesus was offered as the Lamb of God. And then after that, Feast of Weeks happened and the promise of the Holy Spirit is delivered in Acts chapter 2. The Bible says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. The disciples were sitting and divided tongues as of fire appeared for them and rested on each of them. And they were, listen to this, and they were filled 
with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. 50 days after Jesus, the Lamb of God was crucified for the sins of the world. The day of Pentecost came and the promise came like a mighty rushing wind as God instructed them to help the less fortunate. God gives us the Holy Spirit to help in our weakness. And therefore, Paul can make the statement, his strength is made perfect in our weakness. So when we receive the Holy Spirit, hence He is our helper. He is our helper. And the promise is fulfilled in Acts chapter 2. Which brings me to the purpose of the promise. <laughs> because when Peter received the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, when he received the promise, he was reminded of not only the promise, but the purpose as well. When he received the promise, he was also reminded of the purpose of the promise. He, he preached a great sermon and he preached to the people of Israel, he says in Acts chapter 2 verse 14 says, But Peter standing with the eleven lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk after receiving the Holy Spirit, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophets, prophetically, through the prophet Job. And in the last days it shall be, listen to this, in the last days it shall be, says Peter, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days. So God is not prejudiced. God is not a God that only pours out his spirit on male. And everybody says God is prejudiced. Most people says God is prejudiced regarding males and, and, and when it comes to females. But listen to the scripture. It cancels that stance of those who says the Bible is, 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 is feminist. It says... Peter speaks and he says, even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy and I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall, shall be turned into darkness and the moon to blood. Before the day of the Lord comes the great and magnificent day and it shall come to pass that everyone, listen to this, this is the most beautiful part of the sermon and the most beautiful part of the prophetic word regarding the prophet Joel. He says, and it shall come to pass after the Holy Spirit has come, that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And, and in verse 32, I love what, what, what was happening here, what Peter said here. In verse X chapter, X chapter 2 verse, verse 32, this, he says, this Jesus God raised up and of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father, listen to this, from the Father, the promise 
of the Holy Spirit. He has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. You see, in Peter's sermon, he, he, he doesn't only refer to the, the promise and to the fulfillment of the promise, but, but Peter also speaks regarding the purpose of the Spirit. He speaks about the purpose of the Spirit. And that purpose is both to grace us with personal transformation and ministry. I'm going to say that again. That purpose is both to grace us with personal transformation and ministry. That mankind will be blessed with great and beautiful gifts from God. That the Spirit will bless them with great gifts. But that they will also be transformed by the power of the Spirit. See, the main purpose here is that, that those who call upon the name shall be saved. You see, salvation is, is the main purpose here. Salvation is the main purpose. And therefore, the gifts of the Spirit that is granted is for the purpose of salvation. And if you don't believe me, Peter, when he preached this sermon, this specific sermon, by saying, he, he, he said to them, repent, be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. The Bible says and about 3,000 people were saved that day, and those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved and the reason why peter could preach like that at three thousand being baptized at once and receiving the holy spirit is because peter himself was baptized with the holy spirit and we spoke about the baptism of the holy spirit last week for when the spirit came upon the disciples, they received what? Our third point. Power. Promise, purpose, and power, we said in the beginning. They received power. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus said to them, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. I, I, I want you to take note of this regarding our third point power. You see, this was empowerment. The Holy Spirit empowered them when he came upon them. And therefore Peter could preach like that. And 3,000 people could be baptized receiving the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit empowered them to preach the gospel. The Holy Spirit empowered them to heal the sick. 
The Holy Spirit empowered them to prophesy. The Holy Spirit empowered them to speak in other tongues. The Holy Spirit empowered them to discern between good and evil. The Holy Spirit empowered them with clear vision. The Holy Spirit empowered them with love and generosity. The Holy Spirit empowered them to choose the correct leaders. The Holy Spirit empowered them to overcome persecution because the Holy Spirit is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. And when He comes upon you, power comes upon you. Therefore, when I, when I receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, I walk in confidence knowing that Jesus no longer walks beside me in the bodily experience. <laughs> so, sorrow doesn't fill my heart for the body experience because <laughs> when he comes, he will no longer dwell with me, but he will dwell in me. And therefore, I, in, in, in terms of the point of power, I, I, I want to say the list that I've mentioned it is important for us as the church to understand this that the Holy Spirit is given we need to be empowered to preach the gospel the Holy Spirit empowers us as the church to preach the gospel the Holy Spirit empowers us as the church to heal the sick especially in this time we, we, we cannot feel defeated. We, I, I know that a lot of people is passing away. A lot of people has already passed away. And, and we pray for those families and we continue to pray for those families. But we cannot accept defeat because the Holy Spirit empowers us to heal the sick. The Holy Spirit empowers the church to prophesy. We, we need the prophetic word. Not a prophetic word to build up ourselves, but the prophetic word to draw men unto salvation. For in those days, those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Holy Spirit empowers us to speak in other tongues. Not for self-edification, but, but, but in order for us that it may be a sign to those who do not believe. It draws people to Christ. The Holy Spirit empowers us to discern between good and evil, I said. The Holy Spirit is there that we may have personal transformation. That we may be sanctified. And no longer be drawn by the works of the flesh, but the works of the Spirit. And I said the Holy Spirit empowered, empowers us with clear vision when we receive Him. Very important. The Holy Spirit is not the leader of the church. That specific church or denomination, wherever we find ourselves, that ministry, will not have clear vision. We will, we will continue to do church and not knowing where we are going. The Holy Spirit empowers with love and generosity, I said. If, if we do not receive the Holy Spirit, we cannot practice what they practice 
in those days because the Bible says the church was so united that they sold everything that they had because they cared for one another. We will not be envious, but we will learn how to share and how to look out for one another, how to look out for the less fortunate. The Holy Spirit empowers and helps us to choose the correct leaders. See, when the disciples had to choose, they were influenced with the power of the Holy Spirit. It was not just choosing a board or choosing leaders to work with you, but they were led by the Spirit to whom they should choose. See, the Holy Spirit empowers us to overcome persecution, which is a very important thing. Real persecution will still come to the church. And it is only by the power of the Spirit, just as the early church, we will only be able to overcome persecution. And I'm concluding by saying promise, purpose and power was the word this morning. And I'm going to mention these three things that I want you to take note of. He has been promised to you. His purpose is there to transform you. And His power is to release you into your ministry that God has granted you. And all of that works together, not for your glory or my glory, but it works together for the glory of God. For Jesus said in John 16 verse 14, when he spoke to them regarding the promise, he said, when the Holy Spirit has come, he will glorify me. And we live in a time where it seems that the Holy Spirit is supposed to glorify men. No. If the person is really from God, you will understand this word, these words of Jesus. When the Holy Spirit has come, John 16 verse 14, Jesus says, he will glorify the Christ for he will take what is mine and declare it and declare it to you so the purpose the promise purpose power works together for the glory of God and it is to your advantage that he went so that the Holy Spirit may be sent and now all we have to do is to receive the promise so that we can find purpose and operate ministry in the power of His Holy Spirit.